Good morning. Welcome to Excel Church. My name is Pastor Alicia, and I'm so glad that you decided to join us for our online worship service. I enjoy seeing many of you last week in person, and I am enjoying this Redeeming the Time series. It has been such a blessing to me. Let me know in the comments if you have been enjoying this Redeeming Our Time series as well. So if you've been with us for these past three weeks, um, you've come a long way already. And hopefully you're feeling more confident about redeeming your time. But a quick recap for those who have not been with us. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17, God commands us to redeem the time. Why? So we can do the will of the Father. We've been looking at seven principles from the life of Jesus as an example of how we can redeem our time. And so here's a quick summary of what we've covered so far. So principle one, who remembers principle one? Start with the word. Principle two, do you remember principle two? Let your yes be yes. Principle three, dissent from the kingdom of noise. And principle four, prioritize your yeses. And principle five, accept your unipresence. So that's what we've covered so far. Start with the word, let your yes be yes, dissent from the kingdom of noise, prioritize your yeses and accept your unipresence. And when thinking about time management and to-do lists, it is really easy to get overwhelmed. And we have so much to do, so many things coming at us from so many different directions, um, so many responsibilities, it can seem like an impossible task. But today, hopefully, we will take a deep breath. Oof. Go ahead and just do that right now, right where you're at. Just take a deep breath. <sighs> a breath of fresh air. As Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. With this in mind, let me introduce you to the sixth timeless time management principle of the series. And it's principle number six. Are you guys ready to say this with me? Embrace productive rest. Go ahead and drop that for me if you would. Embrace productive rest. 
to redeem our time in the model of our Redeemer, we must embrace the God-designed rhythms of rest, which are really counterintuitively productive for our goals and our souls. Did you get that? For our goals and our souls. We live in a hustle culture. If you want to get more done, the world will often tell you, work harder, burn the midnight oil, or sleep when you're dead. But the biblically based, scientifically verified truth is that rest is a counterintuitive key to being wildly productive. In order to do more, most of us need to do less and rest more. Somebody say that. Do less and rest more. So what are these God-designed rhythms? Where do we see Jesus implementing these examples of rest? Let's start with number one. Somebody say number one, daily breaks. Daily breaks. We see Jesus displaying this first rhythm, daily breaks, in Mark chapter six. Look at verses 30 through 32 with me. It reads, the apostle gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they didn't even have a chance to eat. He said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. The disciples had been working so hard, teaching and ministering um, and serving the people. And while our culture would just say, you know, teach one more sermon, keep going, pastor, reach one more person. (laughs) Jesus recognized that what his disciples really needed was going to be best for everyone was just some rest. Most of us, though, we treat our days as sprints going as hard and as fast as we possibly can until finally we collapse. And I feel like oftentimes our bodies will get our attention one way or another. We, it'll shut down. We'll start to feel ill. We'll start to feel unwell. Our bodies, we put an enormous toll on them. This is not how God designed for us to run. God created us to operate not as if we're in a sprint or a marathon, but a workout. And let's talk about that. Stick with me here for a moment because it's going to get a bit scientific. Scientists have discovered that God has hardwired us 
to pulse. Every other hour and what are called Eutranian cycles. Essentially, our brains move from higher to lower levels of alertness every 90 minutes. At the end of that 90 minute cycle, our brains need a break. Did you know that? Ultradian cycles are our body's way of demanding we work for 90 minutes, rest for 15 to 30, and start all over again, repeating the cycle on a bi-hourly basis throughout our days. Now, this seems like a colossal waste of time as I'm explaining this to you, I'm sure, but I dare you to give it a try. I wouldn't be surprised if these brief rests help you get more and better work done. I know for me, when I am working consistently, sometimes I have what I call like a, a brain freeze where I can't think productively or I'm looking at something and then I can't remember what was I doing? Where was I supposed to be? Where? Because my, brain, my, my mind has hit overload. I don't know if you've ever been in those conferences where, you know, they have speaker after speaker after speaker and they feel like that's really, you know, a wonderful thing because they're giving you so much information, but your mind just begins to, to shut down and not to take in the information after so long of a period of time. Even the same thing with our sermons, trying to make sure that the messages are concise yet powerful and impactful because recognizing that we have a limited capacity and attention span. This is something that if we can appreciate from a scientific standpoint, the way our bodies and our brains are made and work cooperatively with them, we'll find that we're more productive when we take these periods of rest. Number two, and this one I know where many of us are very guilty of this. Uh, when I read this, I got really alarmed for my family because we are one of those you know, groups of people who really have not mastered this piece very well yet. And I'm telling you, as you really take this to heart and hear the message that God has given me for you this morning, which I'm taking it in myself as well. I really believe that these are things that are going to be so practical, but life changing. And that's a blessing when you can get information that it's, it's simple changes that you can make in your life, but that have radical outcomes and results. So the second one, you're ready for the second one. The second one is nightly sleep. I know, right? Nightly sleep. This, this is the um, second rhythm. And although we see Jesus getting up early uh, to spend time with the Father, you know what we also see him prioritizing? Sleep. In the passage about Jesus calming the storm, we often skip over the part where Jesus was what? Sleeping. In the passage about him calming the storm, Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. And the disciples woke him and it says in Mark 4, 38, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? 
You see, if you skip back to the beginning of the chapter, you'll see that it had been a long day of teaching for Jesus. So when they got on the boat that evening, Jesus was getting rest. I know what many of you are thinking, how many hours of sleep do we need, Pastor Alicia? And it doesn't really specify in the scriptures how many hours we need. So let's kind of look to what some of the medical professionals and scientists say about this. The National Sleep Foundation actually recommends seven to nine hours of sleep per night for adults. Okay, so then what happens if I don't get the recommended sleep? And who really cares? Let me give you some fascinating information. According to Matthew Walker, a renowned sleep expert, a failure to get adequate sleep is worse for your performance than an equivalent absence of food or exercise or showing up to work drunk. In addition, routinely sleeping less than six or seven hours a night demolishes your immune system. It's more than doubling the risk of cancer. And as if that's not enough, it contributes to all major psychiatric conditions, including depression, anxiety, and suicidal thoughts. Yikes. Yikes. Now that I have your attention, (laughs) here are some benefits of getting enough sleep. One, you can concentrate better at work and at home. Two, you perfect skills you've learned throughout the day when you are asleep. Three, according to studies, more sleep equals more potential income. And number four, your creative problem-solving skills are enhanced. So there's some benefits in addition to downfalls when you don't get enough sleep. There's some benefits of having an adequate amount of sleep. So for those of you, hopefully my children are listening to this because they really believe they don't need sleep. They just think they can, you know, grab Uh, one of those energy jinx and just keep powering on. But we need adequate rest. So these are the great benefits that um, you want to take note of uh, and ones that you probably experience in your own life after a great night's sleep. But ultimately, why does this matter? Remember how we started our series in Ephesians 5, 17, Um, uh, five verses 15 through 17, actually, God commands us to redeem the time. But why? So that we can do the will of the Lord. I hope you can see now that nightly sleep makes us more productive as we work on behalf of God's agenda in the world. You are morally obligated to try to get the sleep that you need because sometimes the the godliest thing that you can do is to get a good night's sleep instead of thinking that you need to stay up all night 
trying to be busy or, or trying to do something to establish the productivity. And number three, the Sabbath. Somebody say the Sabbath. We've talked about taking breaks throughout your day. And we've also talked about getting good sleep. But now we've come to a rhythm that you probably have all heard of already, but maybe don't fully embrace or understand the Sabbath. So many people view Sabbath as boring, legalistic, um, a life-sucking chore. And for, in some cases, some good reasons. In Mark chapter 3, Jesus appears to agree that some had turned Sabbath into something other than the life-giving gift God has designed it to be. Let's take a look at it. In Mark chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, it reads, Another time Jesus went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked him, which is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? To save life or to kill? But they remained silent. Talk about life-sucking legalism, literally. Here the Pharisees are criticizing Jesus for doing something life-giving because it didn't adhere to the letter of the law of Sabbath. But notice that Jesus didn't say the law is irrelevant. He said the Pharisees were completely missing the point. In the passage that immediately precedes this one, Jesus said in Mark 2, verse 27, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So what did Jesus mean by that? Anybody know? A quick history of the Sabbath. First, the first Sabbath day was the seventh day of creation. Genesis chapter two, verses two through three says, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work he had done. It's interesting to note that the Sabbath is the first holy object in history. Yep. On the previous six days, you will recall, God saw everything he made and deemed it good or very good. But the Sabbath was the first thing God called holy. Hallelujah. Okay, so God rested, thus creating the first Sabbath. But it's not until Mount Sinai 
that God commands the Israelites in imitating this rhythm, working for six days and resting one. Exodus chapter 20 verses 8 through 11 records the first Sabbath command. It says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it, you should not do any work. Neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Amen. Amen. That's the word of the Lord. That's the word of God. So the Sabbath is about mimicking God's rhythm, his rhythm for work and then rest. Somebody say work, but then rest. Taking a break to simply enjoy him, just to enjoy him. And the good things that he has blessed us through to receive through our work. Taking time to smell the roses. Taking time to appreciate our blessings. But it's also about something else. Consider the context of the Ten Commandments. Think about it for a second. Consider the context of when they were handed down to Moses. These commandments were given just weeks after Israel's exodus, remember? And so they had just left Egypt where they had been in slavery for more than 400 years. That's more than four centuries of back-breaking work under the hands of the ruthless masters screaming, get back to work. And make the work harder. As we recall from Exodus chapter 5 verse 9. So yes, Sabbath is about stepping back and saying of our work and our lives, this is very good. But it is also about saying no to the tyranny of more. I hope you're catching this. It's also about saying no to doing more and an expectation that more is going to bring forth more when God has given us a contrary instruction. It's about declaring our freedom from slavery, from bondage. I think of Chick-fil-A. 
And I think of how when I ride down the street and I see how they have expanded and grown and how they're always busy, lines wrapped around the building, no matter what location I go past, and how they honor the Sabbath and say, I made enough money on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. And yes, potentially I could make more money if I opened up one more day. But I believe that by obeying the word of God and by shutting down to allow these people who gave all week long to have a day of rest, that God is going to bless my obedience and that the days that I am open, I'm going to be more productive because of that obedience and that rest. And I have witnessed that to be the case. And it's not just for Chick-fil-A. That is the case for us. It's an invitation for us to stop. It's an invitation. The literal meaning of the Hebrew, Hebrew word Shabbat. Stop working. Stop striving. Stop hustling. Just stop. Sounds pretty life-giving in the midst of our modern day hustle culture, right? Okay, so God wants and us and commands us to rest. He commanded the Israelites to do the same. Now is when we get into um, trouble. Over time, God's people take the good gift of Sabbath and regulate it more than the federal government adding more than 1,500 rules of what you can do and what you can't do on the holy day. I mean, I've seen so many uh, debates on that. You know, can you cook? Can you make something to eat? Can you get a drink of water? Can you heal somebody? Can you, I mean, with the addition of all sorts of man-made rules, the Sabbath, which God created to be life-giving, had become life draining. So that's the historical backdrop of the exchange we read a few minutes ago between Jesus and the Pharisees. When Jesus said the Sabbath is for man, he was reminding us that the Sabbath is not about keeping hundreds of rules. It's about enjoying God and his good gifts and declaring that we are no longer slaves to sin. We're no longer slaves to Egypt, to employers, to clients, to marketers, to email, to smartphones, the constant demands for more. We are, hmm, somebody say it with me. We are free. Come on, declare it with me. Say it. We are free. We will not be in bondage. Yes, I'm going to put my phone down. Yes, I'm off. No, I'm not replying. <laughs> you are going to survive if you don't have me for a day. You will make it if you have to wait 24 hours. You will be okay if I take a day of rest. Don't you see? Sabbath is a gift. 
What could Sabbath look like for you? What would it look like for you to cease and feast on the Lord, his word and the good gifts he has given you? What would it look like? What would it look like for your family this week? If after this message is over, you don't go check all your emails and, and try to get just a little bit of work done. I know, I know, I know I'm pushing. I'm pushing because I know I, I keep having all these text messages like, oh, Pastor Alicia, you all, you know, you was preaching to me. You were directly. And I promise you, I don't have ever, anyone in mind. It's not like I sat up and created a, uh, a sermon just to target an individual. No, it's the work of the Holy Spirit. When you feel the word ministering to you and piercing and showing and exposing and changing. That's not me. I can't take credit for that. That's the work of the Lord. So if you feel a little nudge, don't get mad at me. I'm just the messenger. <laughs> I'm just giving you his word and his reminder so that we can experience his best for our lives so that we can stay healthy and that we can grow closer and grow spiritually and redeem our time. I'm going to encourage you to spend some time really thinking this through. So let me close by saying we see the impact these rhythms can have on our lives and our productivity. Since these rhythms are God designed and we see Jesus following them in scripture, we should take notice of how they impact our souls as well. Taking bi-hourly breaks throughout your workday is productive for your soul because it reminds you that God doesn't need you to finish your to-do list. Getting a full night's sleep, you can do it, is productive for your soul because it reminds you that God is the only one who never sleeps or slumbers and thus doesn't need you or me to keep the world spinning. And Sabbath is productive for your soul because it reminds you that all time belongs to God and stands under the renewing lordship of Jesus Christ. Can we pray together? Father God, I thank you. Whew. Even when your word is correcting and chastening and making us feel a little bit uncomfortable, I thank you for you said in your word that you chasten those whom you love. And we know that you love us, God, and we love you and we want to grow in you more and more each day. So thank you, Father, for how you continue to illuminate your word in our life so that we can get a better understanding of, of where we go astray and where we err and how 
we can make the necessary adjustments to get an alignment with your will, an alignment with your purpose, and be inspired of the blessings and the benefits that await us as we deepen this connection and this understanding and this commitment to following your word. So God, I'm asking you today that when we're tempted and when the culture of the world and the pressures that surround us start to demand and close in on us, that we will be reminded that your word will spring back up and we will be reminded of the importance of rest. Thank you, Father, for helping to renew our minds so that our minds are not controlled by what we see the world do, but that we can be reminded of what your word says and you desire for us to have rest. So God, we thank you for that gift. We thank you that you do not have us in bondage. We are not required to work as slaves incessantly without rest. I thank you, Father God, for the rhythms. I thank you for the break. I thank you for all that you have provided for us. And I thank you that our productivity will be increased even the more as we trust you and we do well with the time that is allotted to work and we observe the time that is allotted to rest. And so God, we give you honor this morning. We give you praise. We give you glory. We thank you. We magnify you and we glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody say amen. Amen. Now go enjoy a day of rest. <laughs>